support for Why Is That Important is 100% provided by you. We are blown away by the hundreds of downloads we've gathered over our first season, and we are super grateful to have the opportunity to host a second season. And even though submitting a podcast is free, there's a lot of other little expenses here and there, and that's where you come in. Even just a dollar a month goes a long way in making this podcast better. So, if you love this podcast and want to put some money behind it, go to patreon.com slash W-I-T-I, or you can click in the show notes. Uh, once again, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash W-I-T-I. We really appreciate it, and thanks for being a great listener. Hey there. Joe here. Uh, Originally, this was going to be our first episode, but uh, due to some complications, we had to push it back a little bit. And so you're going to hear some language that says, uh, you know, we're glad to be starting off our season and stuff like that. So um, we apologize for that. Just hope you can bear with it. And if you haven't checked it out uh, when you're done, please check out their website. Uh, They had a really cool event here this past weekend, and it sounds like things went really, really well and some neat things were done. And so uh, we really encourage you to check that out. Here's our episode. Why that is healthy? Why is that important? The podcast is called Why is that important? Hey there and welcome to Why is that important? Where regular people come for interesting ideas and perhaps a little debate. I'm your host Joe Wanger and I'm here with my co-host Andrew Martin. What up homies? And uh, each week we have the privilege of interviewing someone who has something that they feel is important enough to talk about, and we take the time to discuss it, perhaps even disagree on it. So, Andrew, we've been off for a couple weeks now, and uh, so how have you been? Oh, I've been doing all right. It's been good to have a little bit of a break and be able to take a step back and see what we're doing and evaluate and move forward. Yeah, I agree. It's been it's been different, like for us and you'll find out um if you're a regular listener we're we're taking season 2 we're doing the format a little different uh than we we have in the first season and um it's been different for us to try and figure out how that all works and it's been it's been fun it's been been neat but um one of the additions is as you heard um uh, before you got here is we've added a Patreon account we'll talk a little bit about that um trying to run some ads but um, yeah, so, but this week, you know, we're talking about something, we're kind of, we're starting into season two with a little bit of a heavier topic. Yeah, that's and, an understatement. Yeah, but it was, what's it's good, funny it's is, good, it's heavy, yeah, but it was it's like, good. F- yeah, it was one of those, those those topics where you're like, okay, this is, this is like heavy, but the weightiness of it was, was like something that makes you want to like move forward. If I can, if that makes sense, like it's, you don't want to just sit on the sidelines and just be like, oh yeah, I guess that's, that's important. It's uh, inspiringly <laughs> heavy. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. So, um, today we interviewed, uh, Don Gatling and Steph Lippy, and they both, uh, are involved with, uh, an organization called North Star Initiative, and it's based out of Lancaster County and, um, we are going to be talking about modern day slavery, sex trafficking, exploitation, and restoration. Um, Don uh, is the restoration director for North Star. Um, it's a newer position for her. And North Star has this thing called the Harbor. Um, we talk a little bit about it in the episode, but uh, the, it's a restoration home for those who have survived the sex trafficking and exploitation. And, um, she, in her bio, she says that she feels like she needs to be a microphone for God, echoing his love, uh, to those who are broken and, uh, because of sexual victimization and her desire is to reach these women who need healing and need freedom from bondage of their trauma. And she comes with 23 years of professional experience with like admin stuff and just a real passion to see these women healed. And, I don't know, Andrew, what, like, just real quick, like, what struck you about our conversation that that somebody should keep listening in? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I think one of the big things that I took away was just how local it is. I mean, it's so easy to just say it it doesn't happen here. But, you know, once you dig a little bit and start to learn, and this is something that's kind of completely new to me, just understand how, how, how much it happens even in areas where it doesn't look like it should. Yeah, and it's almost like, 
uh, in our conversation, we discovered it's it's almost like it happens in the places where you least expect it because you least expect it. It's like this, hiding in plain this, sight. Yeah, this and this crummy, nasty, vile stuff just tends to go to like little dark corners of of places. And I mean, Lancaster County uh, has a significantly higher uh, reputation for these types of things than, than either of us realized. And so I really think that um, you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Uh, we did have some technical difficulties with Steph's microphone. So um, if you can bear through uh, some of the noise there, we tried to work, work it out as much as possible. But it was, it was one of those things, I, just eye-opening uh, to hear it and inspiring to listen to these two women uh, be passionate and excited for seeing these these women be be healed. Uh, so here's our conversation. So Don, let's let's start with you. Um, you are the restoration director for North Star Initiative. Um, so let's. Give us just a little bit of, of history of, of what that means. Like, what do you do on your, on your day-to-day uh, things? And, um, and we'll go from there. Okay. Okay. Well, my main uh, responsibility is to create the entire program for the women who will be residing at the harbor. Um, so everything from um, staffing, orientation, training, um, ongoing supervision to the curriculums that we're going to use, both individual groups, um, just everything, the daily schedule, um, connections with the community, everything that the woman is going to need while she is a resident at the harbor um, is my responsibility to get the program together and make sure that she's safe and she's getting what she needs. How many women are at the harbor at any given point in time? Um, none yet because we are not open. We, um, are hoping to open in October. And at that point in time, we're hoping up to 10 women will be able to be in the house at one time. Thanks. And is there, is there more of a, is there more of a need for like, like, is there more of a, more women out there that need the help than there is spaces? Or is this like, this is kind of where, where you're at? And, and maybe also in the midst of that question, explain a little bit about what the harbor is uh, for somebody who might not be familiar. Absolutely. So the harbor is a residential um, home for uh, survivors of sex trafficking and exploitation, um, domestic. Um, although we could have some international women, ladies, if they are, um, forgive me if I'm, if I run off, I'm trying to remember the question as I'm talking. So I apologize for that. That's okay. Um, so, so that's what the Harbor is. The initiative and in Harbor, it, North Star has been around since 2009 and has done great strides and in initiative initiatives in order to open this home. Um, which, as Steph said, will service up to 10 women at any given time. Um, so the ec- epidemic of sex trafficking um, is actually foreign to a lot of people. Um, you know, a lot of people assume that um, sex trafficking, which is one subcomponent of the bigger issue of human trafficking, um, only occurs outside of the United States. But over the last several decades, particularly the last decade, um, the sex trafficking domestically here in the United States really, really exploded. Um, so the need is, is great, and there are never enough, enough beds, enough resources for um, the women who are impacted, and men and children, but our program only deal, deals with women 18 and over. Okay. And, and Steph, uh, where, does, where do you fall in this, in this organization? I'm one of the board members, uh, so I've actually been with the organization since about six months into its creation. Uh, I started just basically as a volunteer, and then I was task force director, which was kind of the person who was focused on some uh, awareness and fundraising, and then eventually uh, uh, I 
I've worn a lot of different hats, but basically right now I'm a board member and I'm also helping out with some events that we still have uh, going on. But um, yeah, been with it pretty much since the beginning. We started off a much different organization and we've really kind of funneled ourselves. It's, it's been very interesting watching it. Originally it was, okay, well, we can do, we can, we can have a group that focuses on education to schools and then we can have a group that focuses on lobbying for laws and legislation and then we can have a group that focuses on uh you know just different different things and as we started to go along god started showing us hey i'm already doing that part with this organization over here i need you guys to do this and then again we'd kind of get off topic a little bit and god would say i'm doing that over here with this organization i need you guys to focus on restoration i need you to focus on education so that's really where the, the, the main focus of North Star has, has kind of funneled down to um, awareness and education to everyone around to understand the issue of sex trafficking in not only the, the United States, but in Lancaster County specifically uh, and the surrounding areas, but then also um, partnering and mobilizing with other organizations that are doing a lot of the other work. And then finally, uh, the restoration piece which, as Don alluded to, is uh, we have the harbor that is getting ready to open in a few months. So, okay. What does, what does sex trafficking or human exploitation in Lancaster County look like? Because I think, I know for myself and probably a number of our listeners, uh, that, that idea is very much like, oh, that, you know, that happens in Thailand or India or some exotic tropical location. Um, and I'm sure it does, but it's, I'm sure it also happens much closer to home. We just don't know. We don't recognize it when we see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I can, you know, uh, the, the most recent um, young woman that came to uh, our attention. Uh, so the face of her looks like she is a 19-year-old young woman, and she graduated last year from a local high school. Um, so when I think of what the face looks like in Lancaster County, I think about this young woman. Um, you know, so it's not someone who's coming from the outside. It happens right in our backyards and our homes. And I think that the, the awareness is, is very important that it actually happens. Um, and it doesn't happen a lot. Like on TV, we're used to take in a lot of people, think of the movie Taken when they think about um, human trafficking or sex trafficking specifically. Um, but it, the face looks more like young teenage girls um, and they're drawn into this, this world of darkness um, in various ways. Social media is huge. They're targeted for many, their vulnerabilities. Um, you know, traffickers pose as what a young woman wants. And that is a knight in shining armor on a white horse sometimes. And they will be whoever she wants them to be in order to gain her trust and lure her into this, um, into this lifestyle. So that's one example. There's another example of a, um, a mother, uh, a married woman, and she had two kids. And I believe she was in her forties. Um, is she, found herself in, in, in sex trafficking. So, you know, it, it, it varies um, in terms of what it looks like in, in Lancaster County to a degree, um, but it's happening. Specifically, some of the cases that we've even seen over the past uh, few years, uh, a lot of time, the, there are a number of, of hotels and motels on Lincoln Highway um, this kind of the 30 strip right there. And, um, I think, I think the statistic, I don't, I don't want to give an actual statistic, but the majority of hospitality locations in Lancaster County are actually right there on that strip on Lincoln highway over by, uh, Dutch Wonderland and target, if you know where that area is. And, uh, over the last probably five years or so, we have, there've been a number of cases that have, that we've seen in the news that North star has actually been a part of a couple of those um, where we have witnessed prostitution stings being, um, or prostitution rings being busted. People, you know, it's, it's very, you have cheap hotel rooms over there, motel rooms, hourly rates, and it's very easy for traffickers to go in. And that's where they'll, you know, they find people on backpage.com or on Facebook or 
mm-hmm. a number of different places and they get their clients that way and they show up and they have the room for however long to do business. So it can happen that way. We've also seen uh, there, are, there are brothels. It can happen at truck stops. Um, there's, uh, there was actually even very recent, actually just today I heard uh, the conviction of an Amish husband and wife who actually were convicted for giving their daughter to someone. That one wasn't technically, I don't think they legitimized that as a sex trafficking sting, but still it was a it was some kind of trafficking that, that you know, I haven't heard the final details on what that was, but it, it, it has a lot of different faces, as Dawn said, a lot of different faces of women, um, men, but also a lot of different places where you can find it happening. So I guess my, my next question then is, so, so that's what the victims, or that's a possible portrait of the victims in Lancaster County. Uh, who are the Johns? Who are the perpetrators that are, are driving this industry? Because obviously, you know, you don't have a supply without demand. Um, the, the, the Johns are anyone. Um, mm-hmm. That's actually a little bit tougher to, to pinpoint. I mean, they're, they're anyone and everyone. It could be your neighbor, your your cousin, your, you know, or, or a relative, it can, it can be a business owner. It could be, I mean, just really anyone. Um, so identifying and, and, and typifying the, the trap or not the trapper, the John, the, that's much more difficult. Okay. And, and coming around then to the traffickers, the, the intermediaries, I guess, classically the, the pimps, I would imagine is the role they're fulfilling. Um, are they similarly just about anyone or is there a certain description they tend to fall into? No, similarly, just, just about anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a common misperception is that traffickers are always men. Um, mm-hmm. so a lot of times what which is untrue, that's not the case. There are also women who are involved in a trafficking industry on that mm-hmm. side of it. Um, they're not always the victims slash survivors. Mm-hmm. So what, what a lot of times what traffickers will do is that they will they will um, work with a woman because women tend to trust women and they will then create a relationship with a potential victim and gain their trust and move on from and then betray them and give them to the trafficker. So um, women can either be like lead traffickers or they can be just, um, part of the team, so to speak, like more of a middleman. That's where we tend to see, see, see them. So, so those are the pieces, and I imagine they work together in a, I don't know what to say, normal, but maybe standard, well-understood way, um, there's there's got to be some method of advertising of demonstrating that, for lack of a better term, there are you know services for sale. How do they go about doing that? Um, Steph alluded a little um, a few moments ago to their Backpage.com, Craigslist, um, mm-hmm. social media sites. There are apps. There are tons of um, porn sites, um, and right down to hanging out at the malls. Uh, schools where young girls um, hang out. The average age uh, of introduction into the trafficking lifestyle is 13 years old. Wow, 13. 13. And <laughs> so when you think about that, it's just, it's, it's, it's heart-wrenching. So um, it's very methodical, it's very systematic, and they, they target vulnerable populations um, expertly, <laughs> if I can use that term. And um, so, so they definitely, they, they know what they're doing. Um, they, they weave in and out of the mind and the psyche of a vulnerable person um, in a way that is, uh, is so deep and, and, of course, traumatizing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not hard to imagine to be rather traumatic to go through an experience like that. Are, are there survivors ever men? Is that, is that something that ever happens? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, boys, so, girls, men, women. Yeah. Yep. Boys, girls, men, women. And it, it is estimated now. And, it, and when we talk about data and numbers, 
um, I'll just throw this disclaimer out before I say what I'm going to say. It, it, it's difficult to, to quantify um, because we depend on reporting. So if, if, if it's not reported, we can't record it. And if we can't record it, we can't track it. And when I say we, I mean everybody who's in this fight globally, um, nationally, locally, and regionally. So, so I put that disclaimer out there. But the, one of the last um, statistics that I read was about, um, it's approaching one third of the victims are male. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's about what I saw too. I never would have guessed that. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's crazy. When, like when when these are being identified as as issues, like I think I was I was looking up the North Star story. It was Jen, the founder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she was noticing things like what are these what are these things to look out for and um, and is that something that anybody can see or is it do you have to have kind of a trained eye uh to to be aware of it um i there's some training that's required um it's kind of some people are more discerning than others Mm -hmm. so they're able to just pick up on social cues and, and things like that um but so if you don't have like that natural um ability to do that then training not only can training enhance that natural ability but it can um and it often does training is very important for people who don't have that ability um so i lost my train of thought i knew it was gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) you oh you you said about oh about recognizing um the traffickers i think i believe part of jen's story was that um or maybe it's someone else's story i'm I'm reading so much now I, i get a little lost but she saw a young woman in a window um, and she said there was something about the look in her eyes that kind of gave her pause. And then as she started paying more attention to that, she started noticing things. So some things you may see, you know, if you see um, a man and a woman or a younger girl and she's not making eye contact and she's looking at the ground um, and she just seems like she's being oppressed, for lack of a better word, she uh, that she she won't answer questions. He's the one that does all the talking. Yep. Mm. Yeah. How prevalent, how prevalent is, are these types of things? I mean, I know you guys are based out of Lancaster County and from my, my understanding, Lancaster happens to be quite the hub, uh, for major areas around like Pittsburgh, New York, um, Philly, Maryland. Um, because of its proximity to to each of those, that's what that's what I remember. I could be uh, bringing in my own facts here, but like how how prevalent is is this issue uh, in this in this area? And then maybe speak to what you know about outside of here too. It's a lot, like kind of like Don said. It's hard to really quantify anything. Um, there's there's been a Pennsylvania coalition that was created a couple of years ago that they've ju- they've been working to try to basically determine, you know, how how prevalent is it in Pennsylvania. So they've been gathering data and statistics over the last couple of years. Um, I haven't actually seen the most recent numbers on those, but um, Pennsylvania used to be what was known as a pass-through state, which means because of our I-95 corridor, you know, the, the turnpike goes out towards Ohio. Uh, there are places in Ohio, Toledo, Ohio is a, is a big trafficking spot. Um, any of your big cities, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, uh, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., New York City. You know, it was very easy to kind of pass through Pennsylvania to get to some of those bigger states. But Pennsylvania has now become a destination location for sex trafficking. Um, so people are, are actually coming to Pennsylvania to participate in it. And uh, Lancaster County specifically, it's, it's, it's one that people think there's no way it could happen in Lancaster County. You know, it's serene, it's peaceful, you've got farmland everywhere. <laughs> How in the world could it be happening here? But that actually provides the, a really great cover for yes. trafficking because they're, they're, I, coming from someone who is not from Pennsylvania, uh, there is, there's kind of a, a sense of it doesn't happen here. If I don't see it, it doesn't exist. And so that makes it very easy for people to say, okay, people are going to put a blind eye to it because they don't think this could happen here. So we're going to, it's very easy to make it happen here. Mm 
Absolutely. I, I agree with with what you said, Steph. Are are a lot of the the survivors and or victims out of state, out of the area, or are a lot local, or is it kind of a mix? So far, um, they've they've all been local. Okay. Recently, they have them. I know we've had phone calls from other places as well, but yeah. So, do you feel like is it possible? Is this is this something that is just so? incredibly prevalent that it's not possible to come back from and fix or like is, is the only reality just kind of cleaning up the the mess so to speak like just I'm just curious I'm just thinking like is this we're in Lancaster County you know it's it's not like it's you, know, you think of New York City or um, some some bigger some bigger areas like, New is Jersey. It, yeah like is it do you feel like it's possible uh, to even put a dent in what's going on. Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't be doing this work if I didn't. Mm. I, I really, I really wouldn't. Um, and, and as a, as, as a believer in the, in Jesus Christ, uh, I, that gives me for, I, I know um, that there is hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's what sustains us in, in, in mm-hmm. doing this work and moving and moving forward. And even if you look at, you know, some of the, the, the numbers and the research over the last decade, you can there are um, there are definitely strides being made um, on a, a global and a national mm-hmm. level as well. And you can kind of look at those numbers. And sometimes it's disheartening when you see that, you know, certain types of traffic, they're going it's rising. Um, but I think as humans, especially as a society, we tend to focus more on the negative than the positive. Um, so as, as, as it's rising, then other things are decreasing. So for instance, if labor trafficking is, is, is rising, um, maybe sex trafficking is, is decreasing or vice versa. So I think it's just important to look at the, the whole picture, the whole picture, the, the total picture, but, you know, absolutely, you know, we're not, we're not just doing this because we don't have anything better to do. There's definitely hope. And I've seen women restored. I've been fortunate to be part of the process for many women um, being restored from this. Now, if your question really is, can we completely eradicate um, trafficking, human trafficking? That's a deeper and a, and a good question, because when we look at it, it's modern day slavery and slavery has always been around since the beginning of time. And um, so maybe that's the whole other podcast, because I think <laughs> we can and we can add some other ills. Like, can we ever, you know, eradicate this? But um, I, you know, we, we have to do something. We have to try because, um, yeah. you know, the statistic that I shared with you earlier about the third, I, my daughter is 15. And so, you know, the average age of being 13 and I have I have nieces and one of my girlfriend's friend, uh, her daughter last year, my girlfriend who lives in Baltimore, she um, went missing. And we were so afraid that she got caught up in this because she fit the profile. Um, my da- my girlfriend's mm. daughter, she fit the profile for a vulnerable young lady um, to be swept in, in, into this lifestyle. Thankfully, she lost her mind and ran away. Um, <laughs> but so she was blessed in that way that she was not because she, she could have been. So, I mean, when I, when I look at my daughter, you know, I look at a little girl on the street or a little boy, anything, it's just, we, we have to keep fighting. We have mm-hmm. to. Yeah. I think it's a really great question. And I'm just going to add a little bit to that. That's mm-hmm. one of, there's, there are a lot of factors that lead into human trafficking in general um, and sex trafficking specifically. But I think one of the, because one of our pillars is education, it's not just education and awareness to those around us. Uh, we're actually starting a bit more of, a, of an initiative to target schools. Uh, specific, you know, if you, can, if you can help to educate kids when they're at that target age range, and try to help them understand what it's all about, then you can try to help them recognize and find ways to uh, avoid it or escape or, you know, different things like that. And so I think one of the, one of the things that we're really trying to do is to come at it from a preventative standpoint and help educate and, and make people aware of this is some, this is happening and you can do something about it. So teaching our, our young people about it, and, and how it could be something that they could or their friends could get involved in and how to help prevent that from happening. But then also 
educating parents and educating adults and just the, the harms of this could be someone you know who is participating in this from a John standpoint and, you know, helping to just, you know, teaching people to be more aware. And I think the more we're aware, the more we're looking, the more we're not putting a blind eye to what is happening, I think that's just going to really help um, in the long run. Is it going to eradicate it completely? I don't know. We live in a fallen world. There's always going to be sin. Uh, But as Dawn said earlier, we have hope in Jesus Christ. And that is, he is the basis for our organization. He's the basis for that hope and true reconciliation, restoration of anyone's heart. So Mm -hmm. there's always hope. Yeah. So educate us a little bit here. Like I have a seven-year-old daughter. Like what are some things that, um, that we can be doing as parents to, I mean, obviously making them aware, but are there things that we can be doing or not doing avoiding, um, to keep her away from, you know, potentially falling victim to this. Like I, I, cause I can't imagine it's just going around being paranoid all the time. Like there's gotta be some Mm -hmm. very like, um, healthy and wise choices that we can make. So I'm just curious on your thoughts on those. My, my very first thing is, um, you know, making, make sure she knows she's loved Mm -hmm. and, and valued. I'm sure that's part of what you're doing already. Um, but especially that young, um, the, the daddy daughter bond is, is something that unfortunately has been really attacked and broken in our society. And it it goes a long way, um, in a, in a young girl's heart to know that she's valued and she's loved by her father. Um, so that, that would be like the very first thing, you know, love her, love her and, 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 so taking it from there to, you know, pretty much what we normally do as parents, most of us anyway, um, to monitoring when she's old enough for social media, monitoring that, um, putting healthy boundaries in place, such as, you know, you do, you know, if you don't know them, you don't talk to them, period, across social media. Um, you know, that maybe she's a little young and you want to I'm not sure what movies, because I'm thinking of certain movies and documentaries, but I think maybe she's a little young, but as she gets older, maybe you guys can watch something like that, and then you can have a great discussion about it. Um, because I think we, we, we really make errors as parents, um, sweeping things under the rug, or trying to protect our children. We're trying to protect them by keeping certain information from them. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to protect their innocence. You know, they shouldn't have to, a seven-year-old shouldn't have to know about the dangers of sex trafficking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but it's the unfortunate reality uh, of the world that, that we live in. Um, you know, of course, be careful. I don't want you to go home. Don't hang out with us and say, honey, I want to talk to you right now about sex trafficking. Okay? <laughs> Just love her. <laughs> <laughs> Give her a hug. Tell her how beautiful she is because you know what? If we don't as parents, they will. And yeah. so that's kind of how I, you, that's where I approach. I mean, there's tons more of information, you know, that we, we can go through, but that, that's really, that's the foundation, um, you know, because it's the brokenness that creates the vulnerability that makes them attractive to these traffickers. I think also it's, it's helping them to understand that it's a safe place to talk about things in your home. Uh, You know, so many young kids, they think, oh, if my parents find out I went to this party and such and such was there, they're going to shoot me. They're going to kill me. They're going to whatever. They're going to kick me out of the house. When in reality, I think most some parents might that might be their reaction. But I think if instead of having that kind of mentality, if the parents are saying, "Okay, I understand maybe you didn't you weren't aware that was going to be there. Let's talk about this. And this is obviously when she's a little bit older, but you know, let's talk about this. I want you to feel safe and let me know this was there. Let's talk about what the consequences of this are or could have been, uh, you know, and just create that very open dialogue of helping your kids to feel safe to want to talk to you when they're first exposed to some kind of sexual encounter, whatever that might be, or, you know, just as long as there is a way for them to feel very safe. I think um, if, if they feel as though, the topic of sex is a very taboo conversation piece and you just don't talk about it, then they're not going to come to you if something happens. And so I think the more that we can help our, and and this is me, I don't have children, so I'm speaking as someone who is just, I know people 
in general. Um, and I think the more that we can help anyone feel safe to want to talk about something, then that provides the opportunity to be able to say if something isn't right and something that they've, they've discovered. And maybe they probably don't even know why it doesn't feel right if something were to come across their path. Um, you know, my friend is acting this way and I don't know why. Well, let's talk about what are the things that your friend is, is experiencing and then, you know, then you can try to dig into it a little bit further that way. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of have a two-part question and the first part is what can somebody who's, you know, um, not closely associated, but, you know, what, what can I do to help somebody that's, you know, not, not really involved at this point? And the second part is, what can how do you what does it look like for someone to escape that to to go to you know enter recovery and be a survivor rather than an ongoing victim can i ask for clarity on your first question to help someone who's not really involved what do you mean by that like me like how can i help what can i do or you know maybe our average listener who's like huh i had no idea that was happening around here okay so now i'm aware what can i do Uh, Steph, do you want that? And I take the second part? Sure. Sure. Yeah, there are a lot of things um, that you can do. uh, I think one of the biggest ones you can do is pray. Um, Be praying for those who are in the fight against sex trafficking in general. Uh, Praying for just a a building up of people who are protected, who are out there and fighting and rescuing um, all those different things. Also praying for those organizations and those people who are pulling people in and providing the safe place for for someone who has been in the industry. Um, And then also praying for for the victims of sex trafficking, those who are in that lifestyle right now, whether uh, or not they realize it's a bad thing in their lives or not. Uh, Sometimes there's not even a, a connection of this is a bad thing in my life or this is just my life. So, you know, just praying for, for, a, for freedom for them, praying for the Johns, praying that they would, you know, that the, the, the demand for sex trafficking would just kind of go away. Um, and then praying for the traffickers, that there would just be a desire to say, you know what, instead of enslaving people, I want to help bring freedom to these people. So number one, first and foremost, is pray, 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 pray. Um, Secondly, there are some volunteer opportunities specifically with North Star Initiative. If anyone is interested, you can go to our website at www.northstarinitiative.org. Uh, and, uh, we, yeah, we have, we have some volunteer opportunities. Not, we're working on creating some more opportunities eventually, uh, but I know we, there are some things listed there. And if you have more questions, you can contact us and we can give you more information. Um, and then... Uh, And then there's always the financial aspect. We are a nonprofit organization, so uh, we do rely on money either coming in from grants or or different things like that or from our donors. And so uh, and one kind of very tangible way you can help right now in order to open the house in the fall, we have some things that need to be purchased for the house, specifically furniture. Um, linens, household goods, and things like that. And so we do have some registries um, that you can, and the registries are listed on the website, I believe. And you can, um, or on our Facebook page, and you can you can actually purchase items to fill the home that the, the woman will be able to use. Um, for the second part of your question, um, did you, how do they leave the lifestyle? Is that is that what you asked? Yeah. How, how do they get in contact with you? How do you help them? How, you know, how, how, how does that work? Um, so several different ways. Um, the first way it happens is, uh, by sting operation. So the police, um, they break up a ring. Um, and so when they come across, um, a victim slash survivor, they will contact, um, organizations such as North Star to step in and, and, and help from that point. Um, victims themselves can can reach out, um, people in the community. And that's why the training, awareness, and education is so important. 
Um, you know, they can just say, hey, I noticed something funny. They can give us a call or, or the state police. Um, so there's a there's many different ways that um, a, a, a person affected by sex trafficking can get in contact with organizations such as North Star. Um, did I answer your question? I feel like I'm missing part of it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a lot I don't know. I guess my question there's is There's so much like, to talk about. Yeah. Do you yeah. know, is it mostly cops like kicking in doors, you know, handcuffing people? Or is it, you know, women coming to you, you know, in tears being like, I need help. I need a way out. Is, you know, or maybe it's people saying, hey, you know, my neighbor's house has a lot of strange men coming and going from it. And I, it, it just seems weird. Like, you know, I, I don't know how some of those mechanisms might work together or or, you know, maybe it's like, you know, frankly, the police don't care. We never. But it, it sounds like they are at least on some level involved. There's some level of law enforcement that's that's good and helpful. <laughs> yes. All of the above, all of that happens. The least the most likely is um, them coming into contact with law enforcement. Um, particularly a lot of women are arrested for prostitution. Um, so there's huge lobbying and laws and, and there's a lot going on that we're not even aware of. Um, a lot of times in terms of changing laws and legislations and things like that so that we can uh, be better prepared. And we can't, we don't want to lock her up because that's not what is happening. Does, do you know, do you know what I mean? It's not, yeah, you don't want to punish the always, victim. Exactly. Uh, and so that's where we where we get most of victims are not always in a position to be able to reach out for help. And I think Steph said a little while ago that a lot of them don't even know that they're in the, that it's trafficking. Um, so it just it just depends. Now, in our area, we actually we do we actually work with um, the state police. Um, so they with a team, uh, a task force a trafficking task force team that is specifically assigned to central um, Pennsylvania and the Philadelphia area. Um, so we work really closely with them. And then I believe lo local law enforcement is, is involved too in Lancaster County. So that's really good because a lot of areas can't really say that, unfortunately, especially the bigger areas. Um, unfortunately, sometimes some of the police are like, well, you know, there's bigger fish, fish to fry. I'm not even worried about this. And you know, that, that is, that is unfortunate, but, we are fortunate and blessed to be able to have uh, connect with and collaborate with the, the police. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing that's been more and more popular is training first responders. So whether that's your emergency room mm -hmm. staff or um, police officers, fire department, uh, EMTs, uh, the more that first responders can have training and recognizing the signs of a trafficked victim versus, you know, a non-trafficked person, uh, that actually has has helped a lot because then they're able to find a way to get the, vic the, the victim away from the, the trafficker and ask questions to be able to find out, you know, and, and that's that's been a very positive um avenue that has been happening a lot more lately. Another group of people that, and, and I don't know that this is necessarily in Lancaster County specifically, but another group of people uh, that have been receiving more and more training is uh, hospitality staff. I think I actually read that there's a law going into effect that all hotel staff members will be required to be trained on identifying a trafficked victim. And also um, air, airline staff. Mm -hmm. are also mm -hmm. uh, very, actually, they've, they've actually helped with a lot of uh, traffic victims and rescuing them and identifying them as in, in airplanes and things like that. So, Is that because the traffic victims are flying or because the airline staff sleep in hotels frequently? I think most of the cases I've read were they were, they were actually passengers on the plane and the airline staff mm -hmm. found them gotcha. that way. Okay. Uh, because one of the things that in it just in the world of trafficking, a lot of times, if you get in a big a big operation, they will transport their victims to different locations all over the place to kind of help bring a sense of disorientation. And you never really know where you are, and and it makes it harder to track them uh, if someone's looking for them. So, travel is is very prevalent in, okay. in this business as well. Okay. So, yeah, interesting. So the person's out. What does restoration look like? I mean, I know that you guys are operating somewhat on a 
on a, a model of what you think it's going to be. Um, but I was curious if, if what you're going to do is something that's been you know, tried and true or um, like what are what is what does restoration look like once you come out of out of this these scenarios? The the very first um, thing to establish is a sense of, of safety. So when you look at the process of a restoration, it is it's of course long, um, but it, it's important to address the base survival skills for the woman, woman before you get into trying to um, provide them with therapy. So, uh, for instance, shelter, safety, stability is is where where we need to start. To answer your question, in terms of we are projecting, um, but we have partnered with, um, well, not partnered, I'm sorry, that's not the right term, um, but we've engaged with various other organizations um, that have, mm. have done this work at the same time. So we're not always, we're not completely creating, recreating the wheel. Um, so we're using techniques, um, you know, evidence-based practices and things like that. So once we get, you know, the safety, the shelter um, and her medical needs, um, under control or at least addressed initially, then we can start to bring in some of the therapeutic components, you know, which of course entail um, individual and, and a lot of individual group and alternative therapies, um, as well as a connection to uh, spirituality, whatever that may be, be for that woman. Of course, we are um, Christ-centered organizations, so we will present that, that to them, but the women don't have to um, ascribe to the same faith in order to be part of the harbor. Um, so the restoration process is, and for each woman, it's going to, it's going to be different. You know, her process is individualized and, and, and it's different, but definitely addressing those core needs. Um, some programs just kind of skip over that and just jump right into therapy. And it's just not effective because if I don't know where I'm going to live, I don't know if I'm going to eat today. Um, I don't know if he knows where I am right now. I'm not really in a position to sit down and talk to you about, you know, the traumatic places in my heart and how they need to be healed. That's a good question. I didn't think about that. Like, you know, they're the person who is now out of money, essentially, if they're still at large, like, so how, do, how does, how does North star approach the protection aspect of it? Like is, is the, is the Harbor location like not disclosed? Is there people that, um, that actually protect it, or I mean, maybe even do you, maybe you don't want to answer those questions. So if somebody <laughs> listens to this, they don't, they don't know. No. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the the harbor. It's not a secret location. Now, you know, we're not going to go around you know willy nilly letting everybody know where where it is necessarily. Um, but we do have security. We will have the security, or we do. It may have actually happened while I was gone this week. Um, a security system. Um, okay. but here, here's the thing. So we can operate in fear based out of fear of what could happen, or we can, we can operate based on, you know, the experiences of other programs. So some of the experiences of other programs have found that, um, it's, it, it's, it's not always a threat. It's more of a challenge to keep the women in and keep them engaged and committed to their, their, their restoration process than it is for a trafficker to try to bust in because, you know, let's face it, they're lazy, you know, <laughs> they're lazy and they're, it will replace her before they try to come and get her and expose mm -hmm. themselves to all of their other, you know, all of the other women. So he, he will take much more of a hit if we bust his ring versus losing the one woman. Does that make yeah. sense? Kind of. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. <laughs> you know, one in the hand is worth two in the bush kind of thing. Yeah. Huh. So you can always find someone else, and yeah. so it's it. Yeah, there have I I think I've heard of a couple places where they actually did have traffickers that came, but that that happens so rarely. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. Now now we're careful. We're also wise. So mm -hmm. when we get knowledge of um, a, a specific ring, we get pictures from the from the police and we put them up. Um, just so we know what they look like and, you know, where we look out the windows, you know, we, we even now, <laughs> because we're actually, we're making an impact now. So um, we're just being aware uh, of our surroundings. So, and if there's just like one of us in the, ho the house at the time or the office, you know, 
we'll lock the door. So it's just about being wise, being aware of your surroundings um, and, and going from there. But the security system is, is important as well. Um, we have a direct line to the, to the police and they can get to us in a very short amount of time. If need be. Are there any ever any like uh, false positives where it appears someone's being trafficked, but really it's, you know, a situation with a live in boyfriend and they got upset at each other for some reason, or is that, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine scenarios where it's, you know, not what it looks like. Um, in a in a different way than expected. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, false positive. I like the way you put that. Even though my first thought was a pregnancy test, I don't know why. But anyway, <laughs> same here. <laughs> but, Been there, um, <laughs> right? But yes, it, it it absolutely could be. I mean, because there's there could be some gray area, um, especially when you think when you talk about domestic violence. Um, in the issues of that. So domestic violence, it, it could very well, we could assume, um, but it would be exposed relatively quickly because the, the trafficking victim behaves differently um, than a person in a normal or tumultuous relationship. And okay. I'm not saying that a trafficking victim behaves differently than a domestic violence because actually they're, they, they actually are similar. But someone who's in a tumultuous relationship is going to behave a little bit differently. So the training and the education comes. She can look her man in the eye or, you know, I don't know, hit him back or say something to him. That would be indicative if I was there of, hmm, I wonder what really is going on because uh, uh, the traffic, they're so subdued and they're, uh, a lot of times, I should say, not, not all the time, um, but there can be different. So that's, it's important to get in there and get as much information as you can and be able to just talk openly and get gather the information so you can make an appropriate assessment. So maybe as a, as a final closing question here, if, if by chance somebody that's in a situation or around a situation like this happens to hear this podcast, like what would you, what would you tell them? If they are a um, a victim, uh, and yeah, if they were yeah, if they were a victim, if they were a victim, I would want to tell them that um, you are valued, you are loved, and you do not have to go through this. There are people who love and and care about you, even if you don't know it, and there is help, um, and and you you can receive help. So I would tell them that they can contact North Star, um, you know, especially if they're in Lancaster, contact us. Our number is 717. <laughs> help, I Steph. Don't I don't know. I'm trying to look it up. <laughs> five, three, five, <laughs> sorry, 5327 <laughs> Our website is uh, <laughs> org. Um, and also, I wanted to put out there, too, that there is a national organization called the Polaris, formerly the Polaris Project. Their website is polarisproject.org, P-O-L-A-R-I-S, project.org. They also have a national um, human trafficking hotline. That number is 1-888-373-7888. And they also have a text system. It's called Be Free. So you can just text Be Free. It's two three three seven three three, um, and so Polaris is a national and a global impact in this, and they will actually hook people up with different providers and organizations in the area. Um, so, yeah, and and you can that can be someone who is in a trafficking situation can call that number, or if someone yeah. suspects a trafficking situation, you can call yeah. that number. Hmm. Yep. Well, or if you want great. more information, you can, you know, visit, visit that website, our website, our website. Um, we are in the process of um, providing some more information to it and updating it as we continue to grow. But, um, yeah, just learning more about it is, is, is really, really important. Yeah, that's thank you. That's that's amazing. It's 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 encouraging to hear 
that it's not just you know little little old North Star doing their thing, mm-hmm. and, and uh, but that there's organizations that are linking up with other organizations, mm-hmm. and people can get out and people can get help and there is hope, because I would imagine um, the people in those situations are are incredibly lonely, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and and it it'd be easy to feel lost and just stuck. Um, but yeah, that's, so that's, that's really great. Um, so I, I was going to ask you where we can find you online, but I feel like, I feel like we answered that in that question. <laughs> so, so let's, let's change the tone a little bit, um, for our last question here. Um, if we were hanging out in your town, it was, you know, Dawn's on her vacation. Um, <laughs> that's right. You heard that Bay B-A-E, right? Um, vacation. <laughs> Uh, if we were hanging out in your town, where where would we be? What would we be doing? And um, and what would we be eating? The location okay. where we live, or the location where we are, like where we where you usually live. hang out, or okay, or, or live usually hang out. You know, those are kind of go in tandem. If we came to hang out with you and visit you, where would you take <laughs> us, and what would we eat? Mm-hmm. There it is. Well, I can answer that easily, and I don't know if you're going to like it or not. Um, but you'll be at my house. Ha- <laughs> you'll be at my house, and I will cook you dinner because I'm a fabulous cook. And we would play games because we like to play games and just be real silly. Taboos, categories, charades, I mean, um, everything. So we tend to be a little bit more homebody, so we just gather, we fellowship, and we just have fun. Nice. And for me... It would probably be hiking somewhere and then ending up at Lucky Ducks in Elizabethtown because I absolutely love their food. I don't think there's anything on their menu I don't enjoy. And uh, the atmosphere there is just really fun. I would love to do both of those things someday. (laughs) Maybe not on the same day. That might be a bit much. (laughs) The food food on both and the game sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. Joe's like, This goes back to... This goes back to the fat thing earlier. Oh, that's right. That's hiking. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for uh, giving up some time on your vacation, staying up past your bedtimes, um, and just just talking about this. I, mean, I was when I found out we were going to do this and got it scheduled. I was really excited, and it did not disappoint because this. I, I was never aware of just how significant of an issue this was until I met until I met Steph and she had met somebody and then we helped out at one of the North Star events and it's it's amazing what you guys are doing and it's it probably is something that needs to be even farther front on all of our minds, especially in today's world when there's so much other junk that can consume our time. So, well, you know, so thank you. You're, you're well, and thank you for having us on here. I think thank you. one of the things, you know, Jesus said, you know, reach out to those who are helpless. That was his thing, you know, looking out for those around you, the widows, the orphans. And I think this is just another aspect. If, if this had been more prevalent or more well known, um, which I'm sure it was, but I, I think this just goes right along with what he would want for us. It's his mission is reaching out to those who can't help themselves. He, sh- he certainly shows mercy to the adulteresses he runs into during his ministry. No doubt about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Aww. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe in like two or three years after, you know, the harbor has been running uh, solid. Maybe we can have you back, and maybe hear some success stories, and and just be able to to look back and see what what God's done through what you guys are doing. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. That, it doesn't even have to be that long. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> oh, cool. Can I do it again. Foot and mouth cool. on. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No. Oh, the, the sooner's fine. I just didn't want to be like pushy. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you. Thank you again. Uh, Really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Wow, that was really intense. I'm so glad they educated us, though. Yeah, I mean, it's... 
like we said, it's it's so inspiring just to hear these two women be so not only knowledgeable about it, but excited and passionate and to hear that the harbor is doing something that not a lot of places do. And it's it's like it's something that I don't know that like re- us regular people could just do with our homes and stuff. It, it's it's a very specific need. And man, it's great. So absolutely. Wow. Praise the praise the Lord is getting done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, if you want to help out North Star, uh, there are links in the show description. Uh, it's a great place to, if you want to just donate something or look and help out, find more information. Um, we also included some resources that were given to us about uh, kind of the statistics from what they can figure out in different organizations um, that have been tracking these things. Um, and then uh, if you enjoyed this episode, just do us a favor and share it i mean we always love sharing it and if you have two minutes take a moment to rate it leave a comment on itunes it helps the show grow outside of um, just our circles here and uh, of course as always if you have somebody in your life that you feel like they have something that needs said we want to be that place to do that so Send us an email, look us up on Facebook. We would just, we would love to be able to do that. We are so excited that season two is taking off in such a, such a neat direction. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you later. Mm-hmm.